I just wonder what local sports are up to. Skybird, this is Flying Tiger with a dropkick message in two parts. Break, break, Charlie, India, November, Delta, Alpha, Yankee, Papa, Oscar, Delta, authentication, two, three, five, five, four, two, zero, two, two. Launching favorite podcast app. Begin countdown, T-minus 60. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. The podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area sports. Listen on your favorite podcast platforms by visiting syndaypod.com. That's C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com. Intro theme is Overdrive by Matrika from Upbeat.io. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. I just realized I still have about 30 seconds left in the countdown. If you don't get that reference, it's based off of the opening scene of War Games. A great film. You must go see it. Anyway, welcome back to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. And yes, today we're talking draft games, namely the Cincinnati Bengals and how they did this year. So I want to start off with my expectations. And honestly, I didn't really have any just because of the fact that that's a good Bengals squad, which, yes, yeah, there are some pieces need to be filled. I was more seeing this draft as a way to add depth to the team. Not really a need like the previous few years where we got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And no, really, outside that, it's still a really solid core. And I liked what the Bengals did in free agency by picking up, you know, three new pieces for an offensive line. So that should be much more improved for Burrow in the Flying Tigers offense. So honestly, this year, I just I just wanted to see who was going to be a Bengal. That's all. I was really excited to see what the Bengals did during the whole draft, and I can't wait to talk to you about it on this episode. So let's start off at the best place to talk about the draft. First round, and it's Daxton Hill, a safety out of the University of Michigan. So this is from Charlie Goldsmith. We'll be diving into his timeline a lot to talk about the picks. Dax Hill, one of the most fun players in the entire class. Hill is going to open up new possibilities for the defense. His speed, ability to guard tight ends, running backs, and slot receivers, and his nose for the ball add juice. The analysis from CincyJungle.com, the SB Nation for Cincinnati Bengals. Talking about Daxton Hill. There's some scouts that are saying he might be just as good, if not better, than Charlie Woodson. And you know how his career wound up. He definitely was one of the names to fear on the defenses. So what does Hill bring to the Bengals? If there was a defensive back that resembled a Swiss Army knife outside Kyle Hamilton, it would be Daxton Hill. His three years in Michigan, he played in the slot the box, and back at free safety, with slot cornerback being the position he specialized last 2021. Michigan placed him there due to his stickiness in coverage and the elite change of direction skills, but in the instances where Hill was more in space, he showcased fluid hips and elite reactionary skills as well. 
On film, Hill looks to be part of a versatile piece in the secondary. He's not tremendous taking on blocks, and he doesn't have the experience on the boundary to fill in at cornerback right now. But his footwork and hips are among the best in this year's crop of safeties and slot defenders. In an already impressive defensive backfield, Hill just might be the best athlete already. He tested in the 95th percentile for flexibility, which is three cone and short shuffles, shuttles, excuse me, and 83rd percentile in speed for his density. No matter where he plays, he's not going to be an athletic liability. He moves like he belongs in the NFL. So why did the Bengals pick him? He's got a great case for being the best player available at the end of round one. That's usually reason enough to turn the card in for a team that just went to the Super Bowl, but there's some other factors in this. As a prospect, he was not really, not just really athletic. He was really productive at Michigan. Factoring in his age and competition he faced, Hill produced in the 99th percentile, according to market share data by James Coburn. The very best safeties have played in NFL football the past several decades, usually score over the 90th percentile. So yeah, 99th percentile, that's a lot over the 90th. He's got the data to warrant a first-round investment, and the Bengals typically value high-level production out of their drafted safeties. You know, look at Jesse Bates and Sean Williams, who are 97th and 90th to be, you know, respective. And logistically, he plans to start at safety next year in place of either Bates or Von Bell. Both players are expected to play in contract years with Bates having the franchise tag applied for the second straight year and Bell entering his last year of the three-year deal he signed back in 2020. It gives Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, a year to develop Hill before bestowing him a starting role in the 2023 season. So Dax Hill, I really like this pick. I really love his versatility, and I think he's going to instantly become a splash in the defense. I mean, I really hope the Bengals do the right thing and sign Jesse Bates. And also, curiously enough, one name not thrown in that article I read off since he jungled, Eli Apple. Remember, he just signed a one-year deal, so next year he'll be a free agent. Who's to say that, you know, Dax Hill doesn't work on becoming a cornerback? His versatility is definitely, definitely impressive. I mean, a Swiss Army knife, like the article said in the beginning, Oh, teams would love that, you know, who wouldn't want someone that can instantly play anywhere and, you know, work on his game and he can be just everywhere out in the field. So definitely love, love, love this pick and definitely welcome to Cincinnati Dax Hill. He tweeted that he was really excited to get to work and become part of the Bengals family. And definitely that is a great ad as well. And like I mentioned in the intro to this episode, that the Bengals really this year just needs aren't really a big thing. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a solid Bengals team and free agency. The Bengals have done well, adding three new counterparts to the offensive line. So Burrow should be more protected. And with Dax Hill, you got added protection in the defense, which was pretty good. Secondary. Yeah, I agree. Need a little help, but at the same time, yeah, this is a great draft year for the Bengals because we're not talking about instant needs, instantly get out there and perform. Dax Hill will do that, but we're not saying it's an absolute need to. So he has a little bit of time to grow and become part of Lou Amaruma's schemes. 
and really just be, you know, a Cincinnati Bengal. And you can enjoy his rookie year. And I honestly think he is a great draft pick for Cincinnati. So welcome to Cincinnati, Dax Hill. Now we move on to the second round. And the Bengals will pick up a cornerback out of the University of Nebraska, Cam Taylor Britt. This is a quarterback that can compete with Eli Apple for the starting job. And Lou Amarula mentioned he wants guys who are able to play man-to-man because when it comes right down to it, when the rubber hits the road, they have to be able to guard. He has proven he can do that. Great pick for the Bengals. And again, it's all about getting cornerbacks to add to depth and in case Bates and Apple don't come back and Bell, you know. I mean, that's three cornerbacks already that might not be back for 2023. Hence, I said might not be back. You know, we got a long time before that. We haven't even started the 2022 season. So here is the 60th pick, the cornerback Cam Taylor Britt. And here's what since the jungles analysis says about him. The Bengals love the reports. They got the consistent energy that Taylor Britt brings to practice every practice at Nebraska. And also compared to a current Bengal, former Cornhusker, Stanley Morgan Jr. Over the past few years, the Bengals have rebuilt their defense. And during that process, they have prioritized one thing, tackling. This is no position where that's more true than defensive back. Taylor Britt stands out as a good tackler. He also has many other qualities that defensive coordinator Lou Amarumo convents and convets in a cornerback. Excellent speed, desired length for the position, and fantastic man coverage skills. So yeah, if the Bengals are looking for someone that can tackle, I think Taylor Britt will fill that role quite well. The Bengals have tried to solidify that cornerback position through free agency over the past two seasons. And Awuzi, great signing, Jadobi Awuzi, but unfortunately multiple injuries prevented Trey Waynes from being the answer on the other side of the field. I'm not mad at that signing. I'm not mad at Trey Waynes. It sucks that he only saw the field for about five games in his few years. And yes, he was cut earlier this year. But again, I'm not angry about that. In theory, it was a good signing. But hey, injuries get the best of everyone, especially in a physical sport like football. Eli Apple did an admirable job filling in during the Super Bowl run last season. But the Bengals aren't seeing him as long-term answer. Taylor Britt will challenge Apple for a starting role in 2022. So there you go. I mean, Apple could come off as a sub or Taylor Britt. Now, it it adds, again, versatility to that. That's the word you're going to get sick of me saying. But the depth that that brings, I love it. Regardless of the outcome of that position battle, both will play a key role next season. Due to the nature of the modern game, defenses routinely run packages with six or seven defensive backs. That's why Dax Hill was picked in the first round and Taylor Britt was the next pick Cincinnati made. So, absolutely. And seeing some of the film on him during the second round, Duke can absolutely tackle. Duke can absolutely be outstanding in the defense. So, absolutely, I I love this pick. And I think, again, adding depth to a cornerback role, which might see three gone in the next year. You know, hey, the future is now. And I think he'll definitely be a welcome part of the defense. So, again, Cam Taylor Britt, welcome 
to Cincinnati. And on to the third round we go. From the University of Florida, it's Zachary Carter, a defensive lineman with the 95th pick in the third round by Cincinnati. The Bengals went against the consensus big board, targeting speed and college production in an interior pass rusher. And Coach Amarillo, one more time, will use the word versatility. He has shown an act to rush the passer at the highest level. I mean, Florida only plays in the SEC, and that is pretty much the top of the college football mountain. Sorry, little 12, it ain't you. So the analysis on Zachary Carter with this 95th pick, there's people saying it's a reach, and John Sheeran from Cincy Jungle saying it's not. So for the first time since 1998, the Bengals go defense for the first three picks, and with Zachary Carter, not particularly high on the consensus board, like I mentioned on Charlie G's Twitter feed, but he brings traits that the Bengals need in their defensive line room. He's not going to be pigeonholed at one position while defensive coordinator Lou Amarulo is still around, but he does have a place where he can make the biggest impact. And really, as you heard already, Dax Hill definitely fits that definition. And I think the second round pick does as well. Not many defensive tackles in this class had a lot of backfield production in college, but Carter is an exception. He had a productive final two seasons with the Gators, playing mostly on the edge, but also a good amount inside the B-gap. For defensive tackles, his sack market shares ranks in the 90th percentile per James Coburn's data. Carter's tackle for loss market share wasn't too far behind in the 84th percentile, so pretty good numbers all around. There's a lot of crossover between Carter and what the Bengals currently have a defensive line. Non all-world athlete, but he can win with hand usage, power, and effort. Where he runs into trouble is when his first move is countered and he's late off of the ball. His best athleticism trait is his flexibility for his size in the 62nd percentile for DTs. In all likelihood, Carter's going to be his most productive when he's not on the edge. He's got three technique traits to him, but his length and base make him a good candidate to play five technique as well. So why did the Bengals pick Carter, the DT? Those two positions are what the Bengals need to fill in at some point in this draft. And Lou Amarillo said after the pick that Carter will start off at three tech and recognize his ability to play over the tackle at five tech from a needs perspective. He fits what they didn't have behind and next to BJ Hill. Yes, I know Larry Ogunjobi is still out there, and I honestly think the Bengals might throw him a one-year deal because he did get the money, but he failed his physical with the Chicago Bears because of that injury he suffered against Las Vegas and the Raiders in the playoffs. You know, the one that broke that lengthy playoff drought that Cincinnati had. So Carter doesn't just have quality production from a big program in Florida. He was also a senior bowl participant along with Cam Taylor-Britt. You know, the second round pick Cincinnati's made it a recent habit to pluck players who spent time in Mobile, Alabama for the premier collegiate all-star game. Carter is the 12th senior bowl defender. This team has drafted since Zach Taylor took over as head coach in 2019. And nine of them are still with the Bengals coming from an SEC school. Certainly doesn't hurt your chances in the Bengals eyes. Carter had quality production against quality opponents during the three years. He played significant snaps. Strength of schedule typically validates the quality of production a player has, and Carter is no stranger to finding the ball. 
again, SEC, yeah, it's the top of the college football mountain. And if you think the Big Ten is, uh, no. So honestly, again, we're talking versatility. I told you you'd be sick of that word by now. Versatility. And honestly, I think he'll grow to be a nice piece of the defensive tackle puzzle. I mean, next to B.J. Hill, now you know, there's depth behind B.J. Hill, which I'm glad the Bengals kept. He was, I think he was one of the first contracts and extensions the Bengals handed out and signed. So the Bengals right now banking on Carter, providing the consensus board wrong as a rotational defensive tackle with edge versatility. He's in line to play a few hundred snaps, barring any other additions to the D-line room, so he'll get his chances early and often. So, Zachary Carter, welcome to Cincinnati, and definitely looking forward to seeing what you can do on the defensive tackle line. Fourth round, pick 136, and the Bengals bring an offensive guard in. From North Dakota State University, it's Cordell Volson. And on Charlotte Goldsmith's tweet, Kevin Pollock mentioned he's a good, solid player. He's got good traits like all those guys have. There's nothing out of the ordinary or anything different per se. He's just a great guy to enter the room for competition. And I think you all know, if you're a Bengals fan, that Coach Pollock loves him some glass eaters. That's what he wants out of an offensive line. People that can eat glass. Not really. I mean, let's be honest. If you eat glass, you're going to tear up your insides. But he's talking about toughness, and that's what he wants. And he found Cordell Volson to be a nice piece. A little bit more on this pick for Cincinnati, Cordell Volson. It's spoilers, the only pick on the offensive line the Bengals made. Five of the six go on Lou Amarumo's side of the ball, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But the first offensive player, Cordell Volson, just like everyone expected. Cincinnati's no stranger to picking linemen late in the fourth round. It's where they drafted Deontay Smith last year and traded up for Michael Jordan in 2019. Yeah, the results are varied, but you get the picture. He was expected, Volson was, to go off the board sometime in day three, and now he's the newest member of the Bengals. So why did the Bengals pick Volson? Size. Six foot six, three fifteen. He carries a lot of force in his blocks and gets out of his stance with haste. A big man that can move. Hey, what offensive line doesn't want that? He's got heavy hands, which allows him to use that force to generate movement in the run game. Joe Mixon, definitely a fan of that. Among starters at the FBS level and FCS level, he graded out, Volson did, in the top 20 for run blocking, according to Pro Football Focus. Hmm. A nice piece on the line when the Bengals go ground. Hmm. And a Pro Bowl running back in Joe Mixon, you say. Hmm. There's some context to that. Volson didn't see the field as a starter until he was 21 years old as a redshirt junior. His latest season was a 23-year-old super senior, so basically a grown man balling defensive lineman in the FCS level, but production's production. And at the end of the fourth round, prospects know where they're doing on the field, who they carry value with. During his six years in Fargo, Volson was primarily a right tackle during the school record 65 career games he played in. He has ample experience on the edge, but his strengths and length make him a solid candidate to play guard, which is where the Bengals see him playing with them. 
If you're coming from an FCS program, you might as well be from NDSU. If you don't know about FCS, yeah, NDSU, they know what they're doing. It's like the Mountain Union of Division Three football. The Bison have produced a good amount of NFL talent in recent years, which include wide receiver Christian Watson, picked by the Green Bay Packers in the second round, and Walsam was part of four FCS championship teams from 2017 to 2021. There is also a case of Volson would have been effective playing against better competition. So if he wasn't in the FCS, he would have been fine in the FBS. He was PFS, which is pro football focus, top grade lineman at the East West Shrine game, which he played left and right guard. Not a ton of consistency when it comes to the Bengals and adding old linemen. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Rome was not built in a day, but being physical sure is one of the consistent points. Wilson matches the kind of blocker O-line coach Frank Pollock desires. He seems to have an appetite for glass. I love that's become a thing in Cincinnati. He wants to eat glass. I want glass eaters. He'll be 24 years old when training camp begins, and he'll enter the battle for left guard with NFL-ready size, strength, and more experience than your average rookie lineman. If he doesn't see the field early in his career, he can be a swing backup at both tackle and guard, which would give him a leg up on all the reserves to dress on game days. So, yeah, more offensive line help. Definitely something that the Bengals fans have cried out for the past few years, and they got it. Again, playing both guards. He can be offensive line one or offensive line two as a backup. That size, the experience. Man, that's, that is a darn good pick. I do worry about the age because, let's be honest, the most physical you're going to be are in the trenches as a lineman. And hopefully he's around for a very, very long time. But I love what I hear about Volson's abilities as someone that can, you know, wreck havoc and open up holes for the running game. Because you know what? It'll be nice to see the running game, you know, take over for Joe Burrow. Now, it'll be nice to see Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow. But at the same time, when you have a running game, that's a one-two punch. And that's going to be tough for teams to, you know, take down. Versatility. Again, I told you you'd be sick of me saying that. But Cordell Volson, welcome to Cincinnati. And on to the fifth round. Again on defense. It is safety Tyson Anderson out of the University of Toledo, just up the road from Cincinnati. It's another trade up, by the way, round two, getting Cam in. That's the first time the Bengals did second time. You know how rare it is for the Bengals to trade up? Not once, but twice. Yeah. Bengals came in on a mission. I love that. But here's what Lou Amarillo says about Tyson Anderson. Smart. Gives us the flexibility to do a bunch of different things. Very intriguing to me. A more deep zone type guy. So here's the analysis on Tyson Anderson. Pick number 166. And again, out of Toledo. Stop me if you heard this one for the 2022 Bengals NFL draft class. They drafted a very athletic defensive back who is versatile and where he can line up. Versatile. Someone should start with like a running count of how many times I'm going to say that V-Word. That's what this team got when they drafted Daxon Hill in the first round, Cam Taylor Britt in the second, and Tyson Anderson in the fifth. 
The Bengals are getting another defensive back who has off-the-chart athletic ability. He ran a sub-440 yard dash and is very fluid in his hips. Hey, that sounds familiar, you know, like Dax Hill. Except Dax Hill ran a 4.38 40-yard dash, and this is about 440, which is a lot better than I'll ever do. I do plan I do plan on finishing the 40-yard dash one day, but not today. The thing he also has going for him, size. Six foot two, two oh nine pounds with thirty-three inch arms, wingspan. He ultimately looks like a defensive back who will end up playing inside the box like he did at Toledo. Anderson did a great job of getting in the backfield and ruining plenty of run attempts. That speed and size really helps him there. The issues come when Anderson is asked to play down the field coverage or line up deep as a safety. He even has some issues with angles from the deep safety spot. But fortunately, Cincinnati won't need him to line up there often, if at all. So it's pretty clear that the Bengals are not confident whether they be able to retain both Jesse Bates or Von Bell at safety if they're able to resign either after this season. Anderson seems like he really fits that Bell role as a box safety, but has that added value as a nickel corner. Anderson will likely have issues getting on the field that often before next season with Hill being the third safety who will see most of the snaps inside the box or allowing Bell to line up in the box. That does give the secondary some great depth, though. Nice problem to have, I guess. The thing Anderson has over Hill is that he is more stout. Hill is big and lengthy, but he needs to fill out his frame just a touch. Anderson comes in as a bit more physically imposing defender. The most we may see from Anderson on defense this season is lining up on earlier downs when the team is expecting a run from the offense. He has also security in case any of the safeties unfortunately go down. It's football. It tends to happen. They will be able to have Anderson come in to rotate rolls around as well. You also see plenty of this guy on special teams with his speed and ability to tackle. That isn't the sexiest thing, but hey, it's great for a special team that did a fairly good job last year already. Anderson doesn't have the coverage ability currently to push more of a role, but he will have at least a season to develop before he's asked to fill such bigger role. So I definitely like this part. It's another good run stopper for Cincinnati. And you heard the problems, which he's not ready for a cornerback spot, a safety spot, because he's going to need to work on his coverage skills. But I still like this spot in the fifth round and you know, almost compared to Dax Hill, a little bit more physicality to Anderson's game. But I still honestly think this is a solid pick. Again, like I mentioned, depth. That's what we're talking about today. Depth for the Bengals. And it definitely adds more to a good formation. So Tyson Anderson, welcome to Cincinnati. And we skipped the sixth round because the Bengals didn't draft in that round to the seventh round and the last pick of the draft for the Bengals. Pick number 252 out of Coastal Carolina. It's defensive end Jeffrey Gunter. And there's what Charlie Goldsmith said. Zach Taylor says he fits some depth for us. He'll come in as a designated pass rusher type guy, but can come and play different roles for us. Hmm. What's that word again? Yeah, you heard a bunch of times. So here's the analysis on Gunter, the final pick for the Bengals this 2022 draft. Big, strong, athletic player. The quickness to rush the edge, but also the power to collapse the pocket. In a word, 
tools. They finished the draft with a 252nd pick, picking defensive end Jeffrey Gunter out of Coastal Carolina. Gunter posted a relative athletic score of 9.73 and particularly stood out for his speed and explosiveness. He ran a 4.740 and had a 10-yard split of 1.57 seconds. His vertical was 35 and a half inches and his broad jump was over 10 feet. He brings something else that the Bengals love. Consistency. You thought I was going to say versatility there, didn't you? <laughs> well, crap, I just did. Gunter had six and a half sacks in each of the last two seasons and 18 during his college career. He also impresses against the run and had 40 tackles for a loss over the course of his time with the Chanticleers. It may take some lurk, but Gunter has the tools to upgrade the Bengals' pass rushing unit. And you know those Bengals, they love versatility. And a day two by taking a defensive tackle slash defensive end Zachary Carter. They conclude the draft by taking a defensive end slash outside linebacker and Gunter. This is a great fit since they play a number of odd fronts with the defensive ends stand up on the end of the line of scrimmage and at times drop into coverage. He'll add depth to the defensive front will Gunter. He could be a rotational contributor as a rookie and has the potential to develop into much more. A phenomenal pick to end the 2022 draft for Cincinnati. This is from Math Bomb on Twitter, Kent Lee Platt, and talking about the Bengals. No, 9.75. That's the highest relative athletic score. Lowest is Cordell Volson, but again, you're more wanting him to take the offensive line. So yeah, that's how you end the draft with the best RAS score in Jeffrey Gunter. He eclipsed Tyson Anderson at 9.49, Daxon Hill, Daxton Hill, the first round pick at 9.04, Cam Taylor Britt at 8.32, Zachary Carter 8.12, and then Cordell Volson at 6.06. So, Again, how do we recap this six-round Bengals draft? Versatility and depth. Honestly, I like it. I think the Bengals did a very good job. Now, of course, there's always that part where the drafters like, you know, I wanted this person, but you make do. Because, again, you're battling with 30-some other football teams that are trying to build their own dynasty to get to the Super Bowl. And honestly, the focus on the defense, it's refreshing because the free agency was about stocking up that offensive line, which I think the Bengals did a nice job on that. However, free agency isn't over. Yes, it's not the sexiest time of free agency, but who's to say the Bengals don't add on? This is a team that saw success, saw the city rally around the Bengals and saw that, hey, they're one play away from taking the lead back from the Los Angeles Rams, almost Super Bowl champs. I think the Bengals done a very, very good job this draft. Can't wait for the 2022 season. So you heard that I like what the Bengals did in the draft. What about the talking heads? And this article from John Sheeran, again, of Cincy Jungle, great resource for the Bengals fans. He rounded up all the talking heads' grades and it's passing grades all around for Cincinnati, which is great. Appears the Bengals are hanging on to a 3.0 GPA. Didn't realize that drafts were equal to classwork, but hey, there you go. 
So here's some of the Talking Heads thoughts. This is from Dane Brugler of The Athletic, and he ranks the Bengals 14th out of 32. So not a letter grade like everything else will be, but he says Bengals towards the middle of the pack. One of the things he boldly claims, one scout told me that Hill will be the best defensive back out of Michigan since Charles Woodson. I think I've already mentioned this. I forget if it was first take or the take I'm keeping. But Charles Woodson, great NFL career. So hopefully great NFL career with Cincinnati. And it's hard to disagree. The appeal with Hill is his versatility to play anywhere in the secondary. He can attach himself to slot receivers as a nickel play more of a two-safety look, and realistically could line up outside with his above-average athleticism. So that's what Dane Brugler said. Mel Kuyper Jr., no real talk about it, but he gives the bing- the Bengals a solid B. I almost said Bengals. What the heck is a Bengal? I don't know. Pete Prisco of CBS Sports gives the Bengals a B. This team has really improved in the offseason and can again push for the Super Bowl. They need help in the secondary, and they landed it with three picks there. Third round defensive tackle Zach Carter is a player to watch. I agree. Ian Wharton of Complex. No explanation why, but he gives the Bengals a C. Hmm. Is that a Browns fan? I know there's a local Browns fan that talks smack about the Bengals. He probably gave the Browns an A plus and the Bengals an F. That's why you don't listen to that radio station. Although, on Thursday nights you do, because Shay Neal, the gentleman responsible for getting this podcast up on WWSU for a little bit, he's got a Reds show, so I will probably listen into that, because Shay's a good dude. He's a good friend. Chad Reuter of NFL.com gives Cincinnati an A-. Cincinnati reacted to the team's disappointing pass defense in the Super Bowl loss by selecting two versatile athletes in Hill and Taylor Britt to bolster the secondary, which uh, I don't know if I agree with that. That's just Matt Stafford. He's a great quarterback, you know? Yes, most of his time you can make fun of in Detroit, but did he really have an offensive line? I don't think he had an offensive line in Detroit. So I don't think it's disappointing. I mean, he was starting to find Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup got hot, the MVP of the Super Bowl. And yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's disappointing we lost, but I don't know. I don't know. Carter has potential as an inside playmaker, but time will tell if he was the best option in that position of need. Volson's a tough player who shifted between guard and tackle for the Bison. Anderson's speed and tenacious nature and Gunter's power on the edge make them very good day three selections. A minus pro football focus gave the Bengals a B plus Danny Kelly of the ringer gave the Bengals a B versatility was the motif for the Bengals draft with the team using its top two picks on line them up anywhere defensive backs in Michigan's Daxon Hill and Nebraska's Cam Taylor Britt. They weren't done there, though. Third round Florida defensive lineman Zach Carter is also capable of lining up across the line. And fifth-round safety Tyson Anderson out of Toledo brings experience at both safety and nickel cornerback. Since his weekend as a whole wasn't super flashy, but the players they added give defensive coordinator Lou Amarumo a boost in schematic flexibility in 2022 and beyond. And for me, you don't need the sexiest picks. You need stuff that will work. And I think this draft is definitely a solid one for Cincinnati. Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated gave the Bengals a B. Mark Mask 
of the Washington Post gave the Bengals a C+. The defending AFC champs focused on the defense early. The Bengals did well to get Daxon Hill late in the first round. They took Cordell Volson in the fourth round, but it might have been wise to devote some day two resources to the offensive line, even after the significant moves the Bengals made there in free agency. Safeguarding quarterback Joe Burrow is that important. Getting a tight end early also might have made some sense. Which, okay, I definitely see that and I agree with that. I think the offensive line, there is no amount to improving it. I think no limit on improving it, sorry. But the tight end part, I kind of disagree with because I think Hayden Hurst is a nice fit. And I think he will do well in Cincinnati. It's definitely a prove it deal. And I think Hayden Hurst, I mean, only play behind Mark Andrews, who's one of the better tight ends in the AFC North, I, I feel. I definitely think Hayden Hurst will shine in Cincinnati. So I don't know if I entirely agree with Mark Mask's last statement about getting a tight end early. Uh, hopefully Thaddeus Moss will be on the Bengals team, but we'll see. Ryan Gosling of Pro Football Network gave the Bengals an A minus. That is so far the highest grade for Cincinnati. And the last one, this article is from USA Today's Nate Davis, a B for the Bengals. They so thoroughly revamped their offensive line during free agency. The Bengals didn't draft a blocker Cordell Volson till round four. First round DB Daxon Hill is a versatile player who should contribute early and might replace free safety Jesse Bates III in the year if the franchise tag standout doesn't get extended. Yet you wonder if the AFC champs, who admittedly didn't have any needs in their starting lineup, should have spun some of those picks forward into 2023. That's a good point. I, I, I honestly don't know. I really do like what the Bengals have done. I like what they've done defensively, and those are definitely going to be pieces that should stick around and make the Bengals defense even that more strong. So that's what some of the talking heads thought about. There are more sources, but again, this is from Cincy Jungle, and that is what John Sheeran pulled together. So yeah, all passing grades. C is the lowest. C is the absolute lowest for the Bengals. Incidentally, I also looked at a new article from NFL.com, and this is Chad Reuter again. Hopefully I'm saying that right. A draft analysis for NFL.com. I wanted to see if there was a team that failed their draft. I, I don't know why. I just I love just seeing other teams and what they do, because, again, remember, they're also looking towards the future as well. You'd be silly not to. So out of the teams he listed, Arizona Cardinals get a A minus Atlanta Falcons get a B plus. Also. Topic we're going to cover before the end of today. Desmond Ritter was picked up. What was that? The third or fourth round? It was day two. I was a little surprised because I thought he'd go first. Like one of the first quarterbacks to be taken. I am very happy Pittsburgh didn't pick him up. They picked up uh, Kenny Pickens who played at Pitt. So, you know, familiarity there as the Panthers and the Steelers share the same office. But I, I was a little happy. He gets to keep his black and red colors, so I'll say that. Baltimore Ravens picked up an A. They started off with safety Kyle Hamilton with the 14th pick and also added a center and Tyler Linderbaum. Man, that is a really good pick. Baltimore does a nice job in the draft. And they get A-plus day one, A's for day two and day three for an A 
altogether. So if Baltimore can stay healthy, that Ravens Bengals series, ooh, that's going to be a bloodbath. Baltimore, uh, excuse me, Buffalo, which is a different city. You might know that. Buffalo got an A as well. You might know them as being one of the contenders up front for the AFC, along with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Carolina Panthers got an A minus. Chicago Bears got an A minus. And that team up north, they got a B. Ha! It seemed like the Browns also had a good draft as well. All seriousness, they picked up Jerome Ford, a running back out of Cincinnati. Why? Why did the Browns have to pick up <laughs> Jerome Ford? Why couldn't he go anywhere else? Now I got to root for him with the Browns. Oh, great. Uh, Bengals got an A minus, though, so take that, Cleveland. And yeah, there you go. Cowboys got a B. Uh, Broncos got an A. Lions got a B plus. They took Aiden Hutchinson with their first pick, the second Pick overall negative, or excuse me, A minus negative A. We've glitched the draft and they get a negative A. How's that work? Green Bay Packers got an A. I was surprised because they didn't really pick a wide receiver on the first day. They went linebacker Quay Walker and DT Devontae Wyatt, but then took Christian Watson out of NDSU, North Dakota State, with the 34th pick. So day two. But it's all picks all around. Houston Texans get a B. Now let's see if they'll actually, you know. Pan out and not ruin them with, you know, the Texans being as awful as they've been past few years. Colts got a C and their first pick was the 53rd overall pick for Alec Pierce. Another Cincinnati Bearcat wide receiver. They got day one grade of D, which is the lowest I've seen so far. They didn't pick in the first round. Neither did Cleveland. Jacksonville got a B plus. Now it's, you know, to see if they don't screw it all up. Kansas City got an A. They went with a cornerback, Trent McDuffie. So they're adding on to their secondary. Las Vegas got an A minus. They start off with the 90th pick with Dylan Parham of Memphis, an offensive guard, which I think the Raiders needed a little offensive line help. Chargers got an A. Rams got an A. They didn't pick until the 104th pick. Yeah, I don't think they have a first round pick. Oh, what is it until 2026? Something like that. It's something ridiculous. Like, wow, that's crazy. I was like, wait, why the Vikings pick where the Rams? But oh, yeah, they don't have a first round pick. (laughs) Waiting to the 104th pick and holidays are around. With the trades of the first round pick, the Rams, they did a nice job with the first round picks. Yeah, it's not, you know, looking for the future, but they wanted the Super Bowl and they wanted it now and they got it. Miami got a B. They only picked four people, but a B. Vikings got an A minus. Patriots got a C plus. That's the lowest I've seen so far out of, you know, the entire day. C, C plus, and A. And they thought the Cole Strange draft pick was strange. <laughs> it's funny because it's the last name. Saints only got a C plus. And they start off with that team in Columbus's Chris Olave. Because, you know, they need they need a little bit of everything. Let's be real. After, you know, Drew Brees retired. And I I hope that Jameis Winston can stay healthy. But can he? I don't know. Giants got an A minus. Yeah, I said that New York Giants, who've lived in the past few years under constant GM turmoil and really stupid decisions. In fact, last year's draft pick, uh, Kadarius Tony, already once out of New York. Oh, boy. But 
Joe showing the new GM firm grip of the Giants' top seven picks to get Thibodeau and a massive right tackle in Neal. So, yeah. And the Jets in A. What is this world? The New York football teams are actually making wise decisions? I don't want to live in this world. I want someone else to make fun of. No. Uh, they picked uh, Sauce Gardner with the fourth pick. Yeah, I know. There was a lot of Bengals fans wanting Sauce to drop to the Bengals, but it wasn't happening. He's the best cornerback in you know the draft. So definitely, nice job, Jets. Nice job, Giants. Philadelphia got an A. They start up with defensive tackle Jordan Davis out of Georgia. And really solid grades. Steelers got an A-. minus. Again, sorry Steelers fans that might be listening to this. I'm glad you didn't pick up Desmond Ritter. Can you imagine that series of Steelers and Bengals with Ritter v. Burrow? I can. Would have been downright fantastic. 49ers got a B-. minus. They start up with Drake Jackson of USC. Seahawks got a C+. Tampa Bay got an A. Titans also got an A. You know, they traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles to pick up Traylon Burks of Arkansas with the 18th pick. Commanders got a B. I'm disappointed. There's no Fs. How am I supposed to make fun of another team if there's no Fs? The lowest grade I saw for a day was D. What is this? All making smart decisions? Crap. Anyway, that's the whole NFL draft. I spent a little bit too much time on that, but now to the undrafted free agent signings. You know, undrafted free agent signings are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And taking that line directly from Forrest Gump and adding it into this reference. Basically, undrafted free agents, they didn't get drafted, but still a chance to try on and get on a team. And the Bengals have done their fair share of undrafted free agent signings. Jason Markham, also Cincy Jungle. Did an excellent job on getting everyone, and I mean everyone. There are a couple of local ties to these signings, and I will tell you about them in just a moment. But all of your undrafted free agent signings look like this. From Wisconsin, it's wide receiver Kendrick Pryor. From the Florida Gators, offensive guard Stuart Reese. From Peru State, cornerback Delonte Hood. Florida State tight end Jordan Wilson. Miami University's wide receiver Jack Sorensen. From Colorado, it's linebacker Carson Wells. Florida Atlantic offensive guard Desmond Knoll. UTSA, which is Texas San Antonio, linebacker Clarence Hicks. Coastal Carolina running back Shamari Jones. Old Miss offensive lineman Ben Brown. Pittsburgh Panthers long snapper Cal Adamitis. Coastal Carolina wide receiver Javon Highly, Kentucky tight end Justin Rigg, apparently the first Wildcat to be on the Bengals team. Bengals team from Natty underscore sports. I think that's it. Or is it the first? Or we're still waiting on the first Wildcat to be drafted to the Bengals. I have to double check that. From Kansas, wide receiver Kwame Lassiter II. Georgia Tech offensive tackle Devin Cochran. Old Miss defensive lineman. Tarikius Tisdale and Washington defensive back Brendan Radley Hiles. Local ties, you say, Lee? Well, yes. Remember that name, Desmond Knoll out of Florida Atlantic? Colerain alum, Colerain Cardinal. And, you know, Colerain had a great run as a dynasty 
in Cincinnati and up until this past football season, never lost a first round playoff game. Never. Isn't that crazy? And Colerain almost beat Elder at Elder, the pit. If you know your high school football in Southwest Ohio, you know the pit is probably one of the most toughest places, one of the toughest places to play in Cincinnati just because of the environment. It's it's a beaut. You never been to the pit? Go and check it out. There's also a couple more ties. You heard Jack Sorensen played up the road at Miami. Good Mac program. And Chuck Martin's done a great job churning out this Red Hawks team to be a constant Mid-American Conference winner. So definitely loves the job. Definitely love the job he's doing at Miami. Don't know why I can't talk anymore. Sorry. Uh, Laura Haller, contributing writer for Dayton Daily News, mentioned Springboro, they have a Cincinnati Bengal. Remember that tight end I talked about, Justin Rigg? Yeah, former Panther. So this article is talking about it. There's there's a little bit of coverage on UDFAs, but not as much as the draft. Unexpectedly, uh, not unexpectedly, just because there's a lot. And to be honest, it really depends on how a team, you know, depth works. You know, if you have a team that needs a lot of holes, even after the draft, you might see a lot of UDFAs sticking around. If not, eh, they'll be they'll be around. But definitely, really looking forward to seeing what all these Bengals can do. So six-year super senior this past season, Justin Rigg. He took part of the Bengals' local pro day the week before the draft. He caught 20 passes, which is third on UK's team, for 189 yards and four touchdowns as the Wildcats shifted over to a more pass-oriented offense. Often asked to be a blocking tight end throughout his career, but showed he could be a passing threat in the limited targets he received finishing his UK career with 50 catches, 547 yards, and five scores. That might be a need, you know? I mean, if you think about it, I like Hayden Hurst. Also, if Rig can get up in the tight end rankings, I'd be sad if Thaddeus Moss didn't get a shot, but Rig is the real deal on the tight end line. He can block, he can catch. Yeah, that looks be very, very solid. And Miami wide receiver Jack Sorensen, he had a great year. 76 catches, 1,406 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So absolutely, Sorensen, he's definitely a big part of what Miami did through the air. So I like that signing. It's not every day you get to say, hey, there's local kids here. So there you go. So the offseason workouts begin Tuesday with Tuesday, May 13th, and rookie minicamp also that day. Hmm, starting off, wait a minute. Excuse me, let's re... <laughs> rookie minicamp is set for May 13th. Off-season workouts begin yesterday on this day of recording. Man, I'm glad I can read on the fly. Oh, boy. So, there is more to it. There are scouting reports on the... UDFAs on uh, CincyJungle.com and again, it's a mixed bag if they make the show or not but I do like that they are getting their shot at the Cincinnati Bengals and speaking of Cincinnati football, no the Commandos have not come back believe me, I wish they would now we're talking UC football the Bearcats great season 
and they break a record. Third most draft picks behind Georgia and Alabama and ahead of that team in Columbus. <laughs> so five Bearcats were picked in the first 100 picks of the 2022 NFL draft. Four more were picked on Saturday. This is from Zach Stipe, the Associate AD and Communications Department of UC Athletics. Nine Bearcats picked. The record was held in 2009. Only national champion Georgia and LSU. I thought it was Alabama. Had more picks than UC in 2022. The Bulldogs had 15. The Tigers had 10. Nine picks are a school record surpassing the 2009 draft, which saw six Bearcats head to the next level. Cincinnati cornerback Kobe Bryant was selected by the Seattle Seahawks with the 109th pick. In the fourth round, Jerome Form, I mentioned, Cleveland, 156. Why Cleveland? Why punish me like that? Darian Beavers, picked by the Giants with pick 182, and defensive lineman Curtis Brooks to the Colts with pick 216. So, absolutely, this program's on the up and up, and there is news that Cincinnati... And along with Houston and Central Florida, but yeah, who cares about them? Cincinnati might be heading to the Big 12, not next school year, but this upcoming school year. That's right, 2023 in the Big 12. It just really depends how that uh, settlement goes with the American Athletic Conference and those new teams jumping from Conference USA to the AAC. Man, I still can't believe that happens. Hey, we got a Power 5 team to talk about in the area, and not that team in Columbus, which pretends to be a Power 5, but wants to schedule community colleges instead. Luke Fickle, you've done an amazing job since taking over Tommy Tupperville. But then again, even if you just won a few games, you do better than Tommy Tupperville. Let's be real. Tommy Tupperville's tenure at UC was... Oh, how should we put it nicely? A colossal train wreck with semis and tanks and gas fumes. And it was a big dumpster fire with train wrecks. But Luke Fickle, you've done an amazing job at UC. Thank you for building this Bearcats program up. And it's always great that we now have the Bengals who are doing so well and the Bearcats. Football, you can't beat it in Cincinnati. High school, collegiate, pros. We got going on in Southwest Ohio. And I expect nothing more than another playoff run for UC, a Super Bowl run for the Bengals, and more state title winners out of Southwest Ohio. Looking at you, Witten Woods, Clinton Massey, for helping bring up the pack. And honestly, we got it made in Cincinnati. Now, if only the Reds were better and not 3-20, and I can't believe I had to bring that up. I know, a downer to end the episode. I'm sorry, but hey, at least the Dayton Dragons are first. Got a doubleheader tonight, this Wednesday, and day recording. Yours truly gets to announce his first doubleheader with the Dragons. Really excited. Really, really excited. But congrats to UC for breaking the 2009 record of six. Now it's nine. The bar goes higher as the Bearcats now turn their attention to the 2022 season. Maybe in the Big 12, maybe still in the AAC, but hey, this is an awesome time to be a football fan in Cincinnati. That'll do it for this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. 
And next time, well, I don't know what we're going to talk about quite yet. It really just with switching over to topics instead of just covering everything on one full swing. You know, it's hard to say, hey, here's what's up next. <laughs> but hey, you know, I'm around. We're talking local Sunday sports. Also, Shane Neal's talking the Reds on 1410. And really, that's all the local sports you got on audio. Hopefully one day that gets better. But until then, you got this podcast. You got me. We're talking local Dayton and Cincinnati sports. Talk to you again for episode 236. And what references will I make there? I don't know. I just thought this up last week when I wanted to talk about the draft. Well, talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark SindayPod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SindayPod and the host at the Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.